Just a little introduction to our reading this evening, and thank you, Brian, for the introduction about the blind man, because that's what I was going to point to. Um, Chapter 9 and 10 of the book of John are connected. They are one continuous story that begins with Jesus and his disciples meeting a man who is blind along the side of the road, entering into dialogue with him, healing him, and then this whole debate ensues about who Jesus is, what happened to this man. And when we get to chapter 10, it seems that there's a new start, but in reality that conversation is just continuing. And so as Jesus talks about being the gate and the good shepherd, he's actually talking about this blind man and being part of his fold. And it's a continuation of that story, telling us what this healing means for for that man, um, who Jesus is for the Pharisees and for all of us. So our reading is from John chapter 10. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way, is a thief and abandoned. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. The word of our Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. If you weren't here on Sunday morning, I would commend for you to go and listen to our podcast of Pastor Scott's sermon. It was excellent. Um, please go and listen to it. It is on John chapter 9 um, that I just referenced a little bit. I will warn you in advance, I know many of you were here, and I told Scott once he finished preaching at the first service, you should have warned me, you made me cry. So that's my warning to all of you who maybe haven't heard it, um, although it doesn't do you much good because I heard it twice and I cried at both services. So, good luck. Um, it really is an excellent sermon, and it, does, it begins um, with the question that Jesus' disciples ask him. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Pastor Scott rightly points out that this is the wrong question for us to be asking, not who sinned or who is to blame, but rather how can we help and what can we do? And that's, that's the right question. He's completely right about that. But as I listened to Pastor Scott talk about this, I also 
kind of had compassion for why we ask that question. And as I knew that it's the wrong question to ask, part of me started to confess within myself, wait a second, I've asked a similar question. Not whose sin that this man was born blind, which sounds judgmental and dismissive, and we think that's mean, but I've asked similar questions when something bad has happened to someone, similar to the questions that Pastor Scott was talking about. Well, was the person wearing a helmet? Did she have a seatbelt on? Well, did they take the precautions that they needed to take? Did she smoke? Was there drinking involved? What was the reason that this tragedy happened? And I confess that when we ask these questions that they seem mean and probably like that person's done something wrong, and in a sense that is what they are conveying. But as someone who has asked that question, I know what's behind it that I don't ask it to be judgmental. I don't ask it necessary to be pointing fingers and to blame others. Instead, I ask it because I want to feel in control. I ask it because if that person didn't put on the helmet, then maybe I'm still safe. I ask it because I don't want to be vulnerable to what life might have in store for me and the people I love. So somehow I can feel okay about taking my daughter's skiing if I get that helmet tight on their heads and I can send them down the slopes and think, whew, I don't need to worry about things. When the reality is none of us are free from that burden, all of us have to face our own vulnerability and that while we might ask those questions because we want to feel safe, the truth behind it is that each and every one of us is not free from the vulnerability of being human. We all will die. We all are vulnerable, suffering and death, no matter how good we are, no matter how many right things we think we do, no matter how many wrong things we think we might avoid, doesn't give us a ticket or an exemption from that pain, any one of us might endure that. How's that for a feel-good sermon on Ash Wednesday? <laughs> Ash Wednesday is a day where we acknowledge this truth that we're human, we're vulnerable, we're human. I used to think Ash Wednesday was super weird, and sometimes I still do. I mean, it's weird, right? Did you see people at the grocery store? I was one today. I had ashes on my forehead, and I kept forgetting, and then I would smear it. It was a mess, and I think, wow, why do we do this weird Catholic thing? What does it actually mean for us? But throughout the years, I've gotten more comfortable with it. I've actually started to like the ritual and found myself being comforted by that ashen cross that will be on my forehead, even if I forget it's there. Because I do appreciate the fact that it gets, I have a chance each year to acknowledge the fact that I'm not God, and boy am I not, and to recognize that hard reality that, yes, indeed, I will die one day, and so will the people I love, and that I am dust and dirt, but I am dust and dirt that has been breathed into by God. 
On Ash Wednesday, we are reminded of all of this, but we're reminded of something more. The cross is placed in the middle of our forehead as a reminder of God's promises for us. Pastor Melissa from Tapestry, our partner congregation, many of whom you know, posted this this morning. And if you don't know her story, Pastor Melissa's oldest son died this year, right a week before he graduated from college. She wrote this, We know that death is inevitable. Some of us are in the deep throes of this knowledge. And on Ash Wednesday, we don't even need to be reminded of it. Instead, we need to be reminded that those ashes that you solemnly and graciously and joyfully wipe upon our foreheads are also the promise of new life in Christ. The one who sent to walk with us, who died and who conquered death so that we might live. And that's part of what we remember today, too. That the cross is there so that we might live. Ash Wednesday is an acknowledgement of these truths that life and death walk hand in hand and in all of it, God is present. Over this past weekend, I spent a fair amount of time visiting people in the hospital, young and old. I sat with a family that 20, whose 27-year-old son was in the ICU, and I also sat alongside two 90-year-old women all of these individuals were facing this truth in some reality. They knew that life was precious, that life, that they were vulnerable. And yet, as they walked in the hospital doors or in the hallways, they put their place and their trust in the promises of God. One woman said to me, Please pray for my son right now. What we need more than anything is prayer. One daughter said, could you come and visit and pray with my mom? And one of the other women I visited with said, I know I've lived a long and good life, and I'm on the downward slope. And then we prayed together, putting our trust in God. The story that we hear of the blind man that we heard on Sunday morning, or you could go back and read for yourself, and continues in our lesson today, embraces two truths about faith. On the one hand, the man who is miraculously healed becomes a vehicle for Jesus to point out the glory of God. He heals him, he transforms him, and suddenly a man who is born blind can suddenly see. Some of us have experienced our own miracles of healing in our lives, and we can point and give thanks to God. Yes, glory be to God for that promise and for that healing. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus continues on. And in our lesson we heard this evening, he talks about God being the good shepherd and how the sheep know him and he knows the sheep. Jesus says there's going to be thieves and bandits who come. There's going to be suffering and pain along the way. But know this, that the good shepherd will be there with you no matter what. That the good shepherd doesn't run away like the hired hands when the going gets tough. That the good shepherd stays with his sheep for the long haul, even to the point of death. In fact, the good shepherd does exactly that. He lays down his life for the sheep. 
saying that in your most vulnerable moments, in those most difficult times, in the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. On one of my hospital visits this past weekend, one of the 90-year-olds I was seeing was sitting in her bed, and she kept repeating about how much pain she was in. I'm in pain, she said. And her daughter and I acknowledged it, and then she repeated it, because I don't think we gave it enough, like, acknowledgement. No, really, I'm in pain, she said, like a 10 on the charts, although I told the hospital staff, 7, it's really a 10. At which point, we said, okay, yeah, you're in pain. And then her daughter turned to her and said, mom, if I could, I would take this pain from you. Now, I've heard parents say this to their kids before, but I don't know that I've ever heard a kid say it to their parents before. And it was beautiful. And we were discussing this story of the Good Shepherd and contemplating what it might mean, and then I thought, oh, that's it. While we as humans look at the person we love and say, if I could, I would take this pain from you. If I could, I would make this better from you. Jesus says, I will take this pain upon myself. I will dare to be vulnerable and human and walk into that valley of the shadow of death with you. I will face those thieves and those bandits so that you don't have to face the pain of this world alone. As God in the flesh, Jesus dares to enter into all of it, the vulnerability, and he doesn't only stand in glory, but walks to death with the promise that I will never abandon you, my beloved people, my beloved sheep. This is the promise we cling to today, That the cross will be wiped upon our forehead, announcing we are dust, we are human, we are vulnerable, and and God is with us, knowing us completely, loving us to the ends of time, and promising that beyond this life, that there is something more, that God will lay down his life for us, so that out of death there can be hope. Out of death, there can be new life so that we can bear that cross and walk into each day not needing to blame others, but knowing that we can accompany others just as God accompanies us. Amen.